Let's now go to God's word. Good morning. Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in his service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made um, a beginning, um, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty uh, might become rich. This is the reading of God's word. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So out of the blue the other day, I got this text message, and it said these words. So, Floyd Mayweather just walked in. Floyd Mayweather just walked in. I've got a good friend of mine, and uh, he lives in L.A., and he works in an upscale uh, department store. Floyd Mayweather walked in the department store. My friend says he's got 10 bodyguards around him and he's texting furiously about his Floyd Mayweather experience. And, and I respond to him, pick or it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I need you to prove it. I, I just can't take your word for it. And he, he begins to tell me how it's against store policy to take a pick, but I'll do it anyway. And so, he takes this little sideway pick between, you know, Floyd Mayweather, getting a shot of Floyd, the back of Floyd, between a couple of his bodyguards. But Floyd Mayweather is in this upscale uh, department store, and he's got this, uh, this crocodile bag on his shoulder. This bag is filled with stacks and stacks of cash. Here he is. He, he is grabbing shoes. He's, he's grabbing clothes. Uh, he's grabbing other bags as if his crocodile bag is not enough. This guy's grabbing all kinds of stuff off the shelf. And I text my buddy as he's telling me all of this. And I tell him, I gotta know the total. I gotta know what this guy spins in here. Floyd Mayweather racks up a $70,000 tab and he pays for it all in cash. $70,000. I didn't know there there were that many shoes in the world. He pays for it all in cash. My buddy is watching this with his own eyes. You know what's incredible? When we come to our text this morning, this is the exact 
opposite of what Paul is pointing at. It, it's so funny to me. Uh, here, what we're, we see Floyd Mayweather, a guy whose entire marketing strategy is about money. Floyd Money Mayweather is his name. Uh, he's, he's got an entire team of boxers and it's called the Money Team. Here's a guy who, who has built a platform upon money, the love of money and greed. And yet in our text, what, what Paul is pointing at is generosity. It's the exact opposite principle. And I think what we're going to see here is this message from Paul that the Christian life ought to include generosity. Paul is going to give us this message. He's going to outline this message that the Christian life ought to include generosity. This morning, the theme of our message is generosity, even in the struggle. But before we jump in, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Father, we, we need you here this morning. God, we don't need to hear from a mere man. We need to hear from you. We need to encounter you this morning. So, God, would you speak to our hearts through your word, God? God, would you challenge us? Would you, would you press forward? Would you press near us, God? We need to encounter you this morning. I pray, God, that you would reveal to us our sin, that you would reveal to us your matchless grace. Father, I pray that you would eliminate the the distractions, that you would eliminate those things that we have on our agenda, that we may meet with you. Father, we thank you that we can gather together. We think about what's happened in Paris, God. We, our hearts are broken and we think about what's happening on campuses all around our country and our hearts are broken, but we know that you are a good God. You sit high, God, but yet you look down low. You are near us and you care. So would you meet with us this morning? We long to experience you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we, we began a journey in our attempt to unearth the truth of God's Word as it relates to this idea of generosity. And Richard's point, uh, Richard pointed out that having money is not a sin. And as Americans, we are some of the wealthiest in all of the world. And we spent time on this dangerous uh, journey, this, this journey pointing out how dangerous the power of wealth can be and how it can tend to deceive us into thinking that we have all of the answers. Yet this week, Paul makes a case to the Corinthian church that generosity ought to be a part of Christian living, no matter where you land on society's economic ladder. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and Corinth was a place that was perfectly positioned for economic prosperity. Yet, Corinth was a dark, dark place. And, you know, if you lived in in Paul's day, you would hear this phrase, Corinthian girl, which spoke of prostitutes. That's how dark the, the, the reputation of Corinth went. 
if there was a person known for sexual impurity, there was a term for them. You could be Corinthianized. That's how messed up uh, Corinth, the, the kind of place Corinth was. But even in a p- place of brokenness, the church still thrived. And what we see in our passage is Paul using the church of Macedonia as an example to, to challenge the Corinthian believers to be generous givers. Uh, and we're, we're going we're gonna to do some work real quick, but we're, then we're going to go to church. But I, I want you to follow me uh, this morning. The church of Jerusalem was an extremely poor church. Paul went to other churches to get support for the church of Jerusalem. But he's literally using the church of Macedonia as an example of even in their poverty, they still were generous givers. So he goes to the church of Corinth to say, look at the example of Macedonia. Look at the example of the Macedonian churches. Now you be generous givers in the same way that they were. And not only did they not have much, not only did they they not have a lot of tangible things, but they were persecuted for coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, they, they were well versed in what I would just call the struggle. They, they knew the struggle well. And let me just say this morning that, that some of you here this morning, you know that struggle. You know what it's like to have your utility bills cut off. You know what it feels like to not to be able to provide for your family and not be able to put food on the table. You know what it's like uh, to have your children have needs that you cannot meet. You, you know that struggle. And this is what Paul is pointing to. The, the Macedonian churches, they, they knew the struggle well. Not only were they persecuted, but they just did not have very much of anything. They, they couldn't rub two nickels together. They were broke. They, they were poor. They were poor. They couldn't even afford the other O and the R. They, they were broke. And some of you guys know that struggle as well. And I want to affirm that this morning. And I know that in our church that some of you know the struggle. Uh, you know the pain of having more bills than you have money. You know the pain of not even having a bus car to get to apply to a job. You, you, you know the struggle. And Paul would say, yeah, the Macedonian churches, they knew that struggle well as well. They, they felt that, that struggle. This is the experience of the, the Macedonian churches. And Paul, Paul props them up to the church of Corinth to let them know in the same way that this church who had very little and who was persecuted for their faith in Jesus, in the same way that they were generous givers, you be generous givers as well. Isn't it amazing that a persecuted, poor church was the epitome of giving? Isn't it amazing that folks who didn't have very much of anything, who, who knew the struggle extremely well, in Paul's eyes, they were the epitome of those who gave. And what we need to see here this morning is whenever we give, giving ought to be a sacrifice. Whenever we give, in order for us to give well, giving ought to be a sacrifice. Look at verse 1 and 2 with me. Paul says, 
We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. See, whenever we give well, it's, it's a sacrifice. And when Paul says that the Macedonians experienced a severe test of affliction, I want you to know that they were heavily persecuted. So it would be almost as if you and I uh, walked into Syria or moseyed our way into the camp of ISIS and just began to yell Jesus' name. Imagine how we would be treated. Imagine not making it out alive. Imagine being tormented. This is what the Roman government was doing to the churches of Macedonia. They were persecuting them. So much so that Paul used the language severe. There was an abundance of affliction upon these churches. The reason Macedonian churches experienced this is simply because they began to trust in Jesus. The Romans were after them, and it, it's, it's almost as if they experienced this trouble, they experienced this brokenness, and yet it did not faze them because they began to trust in Jesus even more. But they were broke. They were poor. They, 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 they were broke down. And I wonder, you know what, I, I wonder if they had your mama jokes back in antiquity. I wonder if they had your mama jokes back in antiquity. If if they had your mama jokes in antiquity, it'd probably be something like this for the churches of Macedonia. Um, your mama's so poor, she can't even pay attention. Uh, your mama's so poor that ducks throw bread at her. Um... <laughs> If your mama jokes, if your mama jokes were in Macedonia, they'd say something like, uh, your mama's so poor, she walked into McDonald's and she tried to put a milkshake on layaway. Like, this church, they, they didn't have much of anything. They were extremely poor. Um, but yet they gave sacrificially. They gave out of their lack. They didn't give out of their surplus. They gave out of their lack. And this isn't the first time that we see this kind of thing in the Bible. This isn't the first time that we see the poor giving uh, generously. Think about Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, there's the story of the poor widow woman. And Jesus had just finished teaching in the synagogue. And he's sitting around and all of a sudden people are giving their offerings in the offering box. And Mark chapter chapter 12 reminds us that there are these extremely wealthy people who are dropping their checks into the offering box. And then this old poor widow woman, she slides up to the offering box, she moseys up to the offering box, and she drops in these two coins. And the Bible tells us that these two coins were the equivalent of one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. And Jesus grabs his disciples. He he thinks this is a teaching moment. And he lets them know that this woman, do you see this old poor widow woman? Do you see her? Because she has given more than all of all of the rest of them. 
She's given more than the ones who have given those large lump sums. Why? Because she gave out of her lack. She gave out of all that she had, and they gave out of an abundance. And that's what we see here. We, we see Paul pointing to the churches of Macedonia, like Philippi, and he's pointing to these persecuted, poor churches, and he's saying, Giving is done well when giving is a sacrifice. Anytime you and I are giving out of our abundance, it's not giving done well. But when you and I are giving out of our sacrifice, when, when, when it's hard for us to give, that's the kind of giving that, that Paul is pointing to. And Paul uses a church that doesn't have much of anything to remind us that sacrificial giving is the kind of giving that is done well. You gotta ask yourself. You, you, you gotta ask your, your spouse, where, where, where do I stand? Where do we stand here? And I love this because Paul uses the poor folk. Paul uses the folk that don't have two nickels to rub together to challenge all of us, to challenge the church in Memphis, Tennessee, to let us know that giving done well is sacrificial. Giving done well is not comfortable. You feel it. And it might hurt sometimes. But yet, what I love about the Macedonian churches is that even in their giving, even out of giving, out of their lack, they still trusted and believed God. They believed that God would provide for them. They believed that God would provide their every need, that that according to His riches and glory, that He would never leave them nor forsake them, that, that, that they trusted God. And they gave out of their lack. They sacrificially gave, and you and I need to be in that place as well. And we need to allow this to, to be a mirror for us. And we look into this mirror, this, this truth, and we are challenged. And, and we say to ourselves, God, is this me? Am I giving this kind of way like the Macedonian churches? But secondly, we need to see that joy leads to generous giving. Look at verse 2 with me. Paul says, Paul says of the Macedonian churches, their abundance of joy overflowed in a wealth of generosity. See, the Macedonian churches gave generously to the Jerusalem churches in need in spite of their persecution, in spite of their, their low bank accounts because they had an abundance of joy. And it was joy that convinced these churches to give to the Jerusalem churches in need. It was joy. And Paul uses the example of these churches who gave out of joy because they were convinced that Jesus had done for them what they could not do for themselves. And out of that joy, out of that gratitude, they generously gave. They gave because they understood that Jesus had stood in their place and that Jesus took the weight upon himself. And because of that joy, because of that gratitude, uh, because it overwhelmed their hearts, they, they, they wanted to give. Where does this joy come from? It comes from an understanding that Jesus has done for them what they could not do for themselves. So much so that this joy even goes beyond their circumstances. 
this joy brings them to a place where even the poor church, the church that didn't have very much, they realize that I have something to offer. Uh, the church that, that, whose bank accounts were extremely low, the persecuted church, they, they, this joy brought them to a place, carried them to a place in which they understood, I know I don't have much, but I still have something to offer. I still have something to give, and they gave out of their lack. See, joy leads them to believe that even though they have little, they still have a great deal. I think the Macedonian churches had a strong understanding of what Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 21. Look at this with me. It said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the Macedonian churches, they had to realize this. They had to realize that where my treasure is, my, my heart is as well. And joy brought them to a place that their hearts were in a heavenly place and not an earthly place. Because a poor church, a persecuted church, if their hearts were on the things of this earth, they would hold on to all that they had. And they would not generously give. Because they, they're, they're, they're check to check. Their account is as, as low as it can get already. And yet they still generously gave because their hearts were upon the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. And Paul realizes that and he holds them up. He says, church of Corinth, you be this way. You live like this. And you know what? It shocks Paul. He didn't even see it coming that the churches of Macedonia would respond in this way. See, the only way that broken people, a persecuted people, could give out of joy is if their hearts were on the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. Um, one of the things I, I, I love to see is uh, upon social media, you'll have these videos going around of uh, military vets, uh, people who have, uh, have been in war, coming back to surprise their loved ones. I love those videos. Um, and here they have served faithfully, and they come back, and whether it's at a, 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 a game, or it's in the classroom, or I've seen one on a gas station parking lot, they, they surprise their loved one, and the response, maybe they've been gone for 12, 14, 18 months, and all of a sudden they come out of nowhere and they're on the scene. Joy overwhelms their loved ones. Tears begin to flow. Laughter begins to happen. They embrace and hold on to them as if they will never let them go again in their lives. See, joy takes them to a place of response. Joy overwhelms their heart and it takes them to a place of response. And this is what we see in those persecuted poor churches. 
those churches that didn't have very much of anything, they were overwhelmed with joy. They were overwhelmed with the work of Christ. They were overwhelmed that Jesus would love them in such a way that they, that they were giving generously. Joy took them to that place. Joy leads them to respond. And you and I have to come to a place and we got to challenge ourselves to say, is that my story? Is that your story? Has joy brought you to a place of generously giving? We also need to see that giving is a privilege. Giving is a privilege. Look at verses 3 and 4. Paul says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Now listen to this. Of their own accord. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Then listen to verse 6. Accordingly we are Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you, get this, this act of grace. Then verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. See, Paul calls this generous giving an act of grace. And he says that the Macedonian churches are giving of their own accord and they are literally pleading with Paul to give. They're begging Paul to have an opportunity to to give to the Jerusalem church in need. They're, They're pleading with him. See, giving should never be from compulsion. Nobody should have to twist your arm to give. Giving should not be out of obligation, but it is your privilege to give. And I love this because Paul points to these churches and and he says, Look, I didn't make them give and they don't even have anything. I didn't have to twist their arm to give and they don't even have anything. They're a persecuted church. And and I I know the stories. I've been in the churches before where pastors will stand up on the platform and they say, if if you want to get this a blessing, you sow a seed. If if you want to experience the favor of God, you put this seed in the pot. And Paul would say, no, this, this isn't something out of obligation. This is something that these churches did out of privilege. This is not some have-to mentality, but the Macedonian churches gave because they got to give. They, they gave out of gratitude. They, they gave because it was a privilege for them to give. Nobody had to force them to give. And Paul is challenging the church of Corinth, and we ought to feel this challenge as well, that, that nobody has to twist my arm to give. I want to give because of all that Christ has done for me. I want to be a generous giver. And even if I I don't have much, I still want to be a generous giver. Because I realize that much has been given to me. And so I want to extend that same gift to others. And these churches did that. They didn't have much to offer, but they still gave out of their lack. And nobody had to make them give. They gave generously. They gave out of fruit of love. 
that they, they loved these, this church of Jerusalem that they had never even met and their hearts were broken and tugged upon because of their need and they gave out of love. See, giving is the fruit of a transformed life. When your life is transformed, when, when you've come to the reality that you are broken and that you are sinful and that you are in need and, and God transforms your life, then you are giving because you are grateful that God transformed your life. You become a generous giver once God has transformed you. This is why Paul says in verse 8, I say this not as a command. But to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. To prove that you are a person of love, you give generously. Not long ago, um, I saw that Whitney Elementary in Fraser, in the Fraser community, they were recognized on a national level uh, on the Ellen Show, and uh, Ellen. Uh, she she came and she sent her her staff and, and she broadcasted in and she really just gave some amazing gifts to this school. But the reason they got uh, this recognition is because some photos leaked out of teachers walking kids home from school, rain uh, rain or shine. These teachers realized that their elementary students were walking home on dangerous roads and they said to themselves, we have to do something about this. Nobody forced them to do this. Nobody twisted their arm and nobody said, if you don't do this, you're going to be fired. But these teachers were moved. They, they, they saw it as their privilege to go serve their students and to walk them home that they may get home safely. It was their privilege to do it. And this is what Paul is pointing to. That giving should never be by compulsion, that, that you shouldn't feel the obligation to give, and if so, keep your money. But Paul is saying giving should be uh, a privilege. Giving is from gratitude, and giving is a privilege. We get to give rather than we have to give. This is what Paul is getting at. And lastly, we need to see that ultimately, it's poverty that offers wealth. I love this. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's gospel truth. It's beautiful. Paul says to the Corinthian church, I know I've talked a great deal about the churches in Macedonia, and I know that they are a great example, but I want to tell you that the greatest example is Jesus himself. Paul says Jesus was rich. He was full of glory. That, that Jesus was, was, he had at his fingertips all that God had. And he, in a sense, had in himself all that God had. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter, uh, I'm sorry, it reminds me of uh, this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. This is what Paul points to. Even in Ephesians, he says, this is a gift. 
And here Paul is reminding uh, the Corinthian church that yes, I know that the Macedonians gave generously, but Jesus gave even more. Uh, He was wealthy in every respect. Paul says, you may not know Macedonians, I know you know this, but he calls it grace. Paul here in our passage, he acknowledges that the Corinthian church is aware of grace, but feels the need to remind them how that grace was packaged. Paul says that grace was packaged in Jesus. When Paul points to the richness of Jesus, he's not pointing to uh, material wealth, rather he's pointing to heavenly glory. As the Son, Jesus had access to all that belonged to the Father. I'm reminded of Colossians 2, verse 9. It says this, For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, which means all that God is, Jesus is. That's wealth. All that God has, Jesus has. All the goodness in God, all the strength in God, all the power and majesty and glory in God, Jesus has. That's richness. That's wealth. That's generosity, that Jesus would sacrifice that kind of wealth to come down in the form of a man and to walk like us and to live like us and to take on flesh, that, that he would leave this, this heavenly glory, that, that he would depart in a sense temporarily from this heavenly glory to walk and live like you and I. That's generous living. That's generosity. That Jesus would sacrifice perfect fellowship with his Father to come down in the form of a man and that he would give his blood and not just his blood, his very life. And that he would do that out of love. He would do that out of sacrificing for you and I. That's generosity. And Paul says this church didn't have very much. They were poor and they were persecuted. But that's nothing compared to what Jesus did on our behalf. That's nothing compared to what Jesus did in standing in your my place and becoming sin on our behalf that you and I may become the righteousness of God. Jesus was generous. Paul says this is the ultimate example. See, the vehicle by which you and I may experience real wealth is the poverty of Jesus. That Jesus emptied himself. And what Paul is showing us this morning is that if Jesus knew anything else, Jesus knew the struggle. And some of you may feel like nobody knows what I'm going through. Uh, You may feel this morning like things are mounting up and nobody knows what I'm going through, but I'm here to tell you Jesus knows. If anybody knows the struggle, it's him. One who left perfection, one who left perfect fellowship and walked in this flesh and was tempted in a similar way like you and I. He knows the struggle so much so that He said yes to death and he would come upon the cross and he would uh, give his life willingly. Jesus says, nobody takes my life. I give it up. I give it willingly. That's generosity. And it was out of joy. And it was because of love that Jesus gave. And you and I should generously give out of love because of love. And out of joy that we ought to give. Uh, It's the story of 
the show Undercover Boss. I love that show. Uh, it's this, the, the show where a CEO, a business owner, comes down from his big office. She comes down from her executive suite and she takes off her, her, her suit and she takes off the business coat and she puts on the, 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 the uniform of a factory worker and she steps in. She begins to work and talk to those workers that have been laboring for her. And she realizes that there are some crazy stories in, in this factory. There's some crazy stories in these uh, stores that she owns. And her heart is burdened. She gives a great gift that maybe will change the life of her employee forever. But she could never get to that place where she gave this great gift that would transform the life of her employee forever until she came down. Until she lived and, and walked like the people who worked for her. This is what Jesus did for you and I. He came down from the executive suite. He took off the royal regalia and put on skin and flesh like you and I. And Jesus says, I love you so much. I'm going to walk like you. I'm going to be tempted like you. I'm going to live like you. And, and I'm going to die a death that you could never die. I'm going to be persecuted and I'm going to give up wealth to be poor that you may have wealth. And this wealth that Jesus is talking about, it's, it's of no monetary gain. It won't fill up your bank account. It, it won't make your 401k fatter, but this wealth... It will allow you to get to a place where your heart is upon the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. This wealth will allow you to get to a place where you are more concerned with the eternal things rather than the temporal things. And Jesus says, I'm going to be so generous that I'm going to give my very life. That I'm going to shed my blood. That that I'm going to be scorned, that, that I'm going to allow them to, to pierce my side and to put a crown of thorns on my head. And I, I'm going to allow them to spit on me that, that my love may be revealed to you. That's generosity. And through this, Jesus says, because I've been generous to you, not out of compulsion, not out of an obligation, but go be generous. No matter the circumstances, no matter what you have in the bank account, Jesus says, go be generous. Be generous in your families. Be generous on your blocks. Be generous in the workplace and in the classroom. Be generous at the gym. Jesus challenges the church of Corinth and he's challenges, challenging us this morning that you and I may be generous givers. Because he, ultimately, was more generous than all of us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your generosity, God. Father, we thank you that you transitioned from wealth to poverty on our behalf. Father, I pray that 
you would use that this morning to encourage those that have little. That you would challenge them. That even in the midst of their lack, that you would challenge them to be generous givers. And I pray, God, that you would build a body here in which out of love our church would be generous givers. That the city would know about this generous church, God, because of us recognizing, God, how generous you've been to us. That it would be recognized on our blocks and in our homes and in our families. That we would be generous because you've first been generous to us. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, we bless these offerings that we're about to receive. We pray, God, that you would multiply them. That you would use them for the work of the ministry. That through them, leaders would be raised up. That through them, churches would be planted. That through them, the work of the ministry in this local church would be supported. Thank you, Father. I pray, God, that you would give us generous hearts which we would give cheerfully this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.